0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Leithea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to <laughs> Welcome back to the Culture Insanity podcast, uh, season two, episode two. Welcome back. Uh, as promised, we once were two, but now we are three. So we have with us now a third host in Pastor Monty McGarry of Truth Time with Monty McGarry. Would you like to say hello to the to the good people? Hello, good people. <laughs> good to be here. Looking so, to
2: have a lot of fun,
1: yeah. So the demand was so high.
2: Sally Fields, really?
1: It's
2: a good, it's a good bit. <laughs> uh,
1: so he is here to offer his wealth of um, experience and wisdom and knowledge to all things that we talk about. So welcome to him, and we're glad to have him on our podcast. Um, and yeah, we're glad to be back with season two, episode two. So uh, just running down the list of things we're going to be talking about. Kindles, as in Kindles reading devices. Uh, Liam Neeson, that's a hot topic lately. Um, There's a follow-up to that um, in regards to something that Sam Harris said. Uh, We'll talk about who Sam Harris is in a second, for those of you that don't know. Um, Ellen Page and Chris Pratt are um, going at it um, on some level. And yeah, so we're going to be talking about these things and Um, some of the things that are being suggested and some of the ways then maybe that we're called to respond to these things or to be thinking about these things. So yeah, we're happy to be back season two, episode two. So uh, as Josh is getting uh, the technical side of things up and running, we'll start off with uh, maybe one of the less controversial hot topic issues. So um, Josh had posted an article on our, on our little thread, um, having to do with Kindles and I'm sure he'll post it for for you guys watching the, the Facebook video as well but the long and short of it is um, not Kindles necessarily but ebooks are on uh, and this is sort of a, a, a change in pace for what we normally talk about here on culture and sanity but it's still interesting nonetheless um, because it does affect culture um, So the long and short of this this um, ish this article that this person writ wrote on I think it was the Guardian. I think so. Yeah, The Guardian. Um, so, ebooks are on the decline. So, not Kindles, not the device itself, but ebooks are on the decline because more and more people are wanting to read physical books. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> people like physical books. So, there was a trend. Uh, when, did the, when did the whole Kindle ebook trend really start?
0: Literally 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: 10 years ago. Yeah, it's been that long. Yeah, 10 years. So, ten years ago you know ebooks became really popular and so with that all these different devices iPads and Kindles and Nooks, Nook is the Barnes and Noble one right? Nook, mm-hmm. uh, became really popular you can carry a hundred thousand books uh, in a pound or something like that so it was really great and it's a really great tool for students and people that want to you know continue their education and fill their head with not Twitter <laughs> with, with books um, so that was cool. Uh, well, lately, I guess there's studies that show that ebooks are on the decline and more and more people are wanting to pick up physical books because of the, what do you call it? Tan- not tangible. Like, sure. Tangibility. Tangibility of a, of a physical book and, and the experience of a physical book, the, the, the relationship, if you will, that you can have with something that's physical rather than digital. And so, people are picking up physical books more and more, um, even to the point where it's becoming like a not not just because they like it in practicality, but because it's a it's becoming a status symbol. Like, look at me, I read physical books. Look at all the physical books that are on my coffee wow. table and right. on my bedside and stuff. Like, I'm such a I'm such an educated <coughs> hipster, person. Yeah. I'm such a hipster. Under
2: under my pillow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Whereas, ten years ago and for a long time, reading books made you a a a a nerd or something you know like you weren't cool for doing that but now it's becoming a a status symbol as well as a as a practicality thing
0: hey so uh for the listeners out there we're having some technical issues we keep disconnecting for some reason um so you know try to bear with us
1: yeah yeah um so it's becoming a it's becoming a, a bigger thing more and more and so that's interesting but the question um, that maybe is, is going to be thrown out there for people to, to consider, and you guys can start on your thoughts on this, but um, simply is does beauty always outlast function? So beauty not in obviously the aesthetic of a, of a Kindle versus a, a book, but like beauty in the experience with something rather than maybe if something is – more functional even if that's that's true and it is more functional let's be honest you can carry a hundred thousand books in one pound rather than two hundred thousand pounds or whatever however much a book weighs so um, are your what are your guys' thoughts on on that does beauty always outlast
2: function Wow
1: are you, an e- bu- are you an e-book connoisseur or a physical book connoisseur, Pastor Monty?
2: Oh, I'd say probably physical. Yeah? I mean, you know, in the first place, I don't run with the crowd. So the whole Kindle thing or like that, I mean, I've tried once or twice to, to read books on the devices, and it just, it didn't do anything for me. I don't think it's because it's a tactile thing where I want to have the feel of the book or what have you. I just don't it just doesn't do anything for me different generation uh potentially potentially i like the ability to you know walk into my office and look off to the side and and take note that i have a expensive library (laughs) i think that's that's exactly the point that i can look at so it's a status symbol (laughs) <laughs> well, that's I'm the, part o- of the point, right? I'm the only one that goes into my library, so it's not so much a status symbol. Well, it could be a status symbol for you. <laughs> well, uh-oh. like a personal status symbol. Do you actually like have you a
1: library, like a room dedicated to like like a study? I have.
2: A, well, Josh and I have talked about this. I mean, I've got to basically go through and get rid of all my books because we're you know trying to downsize. But yeah, yeah, and, and that's the other thing about physical books is that. um Man, they're heavy. They're <laughs> when, you get, when you get them all together, they're heavy, and they're hard to to move around. But whereas the beauty of the Kindle or the e-book is that you know you, it's it's like you said, it's you have all those books. Well,
1: one that of the things the writer was suggesting in this article, and it's a good article, and and people, you know, it's being posted. You should read it. But it
0: is posted. Yeah,
1: the the relationship you have with the physical book trumps that of digital in things like um how you bookmark your page and how you're referencing back to a certain point that really struck you and knowing how far you've come in the book because on like a kindle for those of you have you know you get a percentage but it maybe doesn't reflect the accurate percentage because who knows what sort of appendix follows the completion of the book so you, you never really know when you're done with it um it's just having something physical helps you like um like it engages something in your mind, maybe versus something that's digital. Like, um, like it helps you to recall it more. Like typing or writing, right? They say like um, people that in in school that take notes because they're writing what's being said. It's it's triggering something in their brains educationally, maybe than if you were just receiving. And well, that's people- absolutely
2: true because you know, I I mean, I would always I encourage my students. And when I was in in school, I would uh, you'd rarely take a book that i'd read and not see markings all over it i've got yeah. little notes off to the side or an arrow or you know whatever and you can't do that with an ebook. yeah they, so retain- well you i guess you can but it's uh, it's more cumbersome
1: yeah yeah you can take you can take notes and stuff but it I don't know, maybe it's not the same. Maybe it's like physically writing versus, you know, no, typing. you
0: can't use eyeliners. You can, actually. You can, yep. You can. can you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can even directly, uh, <clears throat> like, search Wikipedia and things like that from your notes.
2: Right, and, and that'd be cool, except, see, then now you've got a, a learning curve attached to how do you make the damn thing work, and I just, you know... That's too much work for me. It's it's super simple. (laughs) I'm interested because
1: Mm. Josh is a student of both practices. That's right. um, And he takes on technology with open arms in most cases. Yep. Um, Although I will not
0: do subdermal technology.
1: (laughs) Red flags. So, do you think there's something in one over the other? Like, for you personally, like, is the physical, you know, writing and marking and having that relationship with a physical book? more beneficial and better even than digital, and do you think that there that's why? Do you think there's there's validity in what this writer is suggesting in terms of maybe why the digital is dying and the physical is rising again?
0: Uh, I do think that there is a certain relationship to be had with, with an art form that comes from having a, a tactile um, appreciation of it, or at least a three-dimensional appreciation of it. Uh, I remember... Because uh, I, I was an art history student and and I remember went to the museum and I was looking at this Monet and I was like up close and just like paying attention to it, right? And this guard comes up to me and he's like, get away from that. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just checking out the brushstrokes. And he's like, you can appreciate that from afar. And I'm like, no, I really can't. Hmm. Uh because it's like the brush strokes are important. You see, like, the you can, you can they, they tell something about the history of, of the artist, the way that they moved their hands.
1: How fast and how slow. The exactly, such, yeah.
0: exactly. So it's a record. And so in that vein, there is something that is cool about it. And I think it extends further. Like, speaking in technology and, like, getting super nerdy about it, um, we have these, these things. Actually, there's one right behind Adam. Uh, can you grab a little link over there? There we go. We have these things. Um, <laughs> this guy right here. That's an amiibo. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. This is called an amiibo. And what it is, is it's a, it's a piece of technology for video games. It's a little statue, and it has a little chip inside of it that allows a character to be played in a video game, right? Oh. So, But the thing is, you can, you can have these, but they also sell them in a card version. And so you can carry the card around, it just has the artwork. And so um, it's sort of a similar thing. It's like, what is more? What do you want more? I think it just really depends. It depends on the person and what you're trying to accomplish from it. I do think as human beings, we like to have a tactile relationship with things because we're 3D. Mm. You know, we're three dimensional creatures. So having three dimensional things is like important to us. And there is a tactile nature to books in the sense that you can intuitively sense without your visual um, how far you are in a book. I don't agree with the assessment that you can't know more specifically. Cause like, for instance, with a Kindle, it's like, yeah, you can choose to have it be percentage, but it will also tell you what page you're on if you want it to, and so on and so forth. There's a lot more information available if you know what you're doing with it. But there, it's not. It's not tactile. It's not engaging a, a lot of your senses. And there is just something profound about a good cover, for instance, on a book. You know. So I don't know. I do both. Um, my opinion is that if I want it to be something that's in my library, then I'm going to buy it, like a physical copy of it. But if it's something that I just need to read. Or something that I'm not sure should be in my library, then I'm gonna read it digitally, and so then and then if I appreciate it, I'll buy it.
1: How would you connect that with how we should be um, treating our Bibles, for example? Like I know within our church, you we are big um, advocates for you know your physical Bible, physical. Like, get away from the digital. Um, but given what you just said, like do you think that... There's a there's a difference when it comes to the word like what would you say in regards to that you know like having a relationship with your Bible and you know marking it up like Pastor Monty's saying right so
0: stuff. yeah I do I believe in that I believe that we're supposed to have a relationship with our Bible that it is so in heart scribe which is ABF's um, like Bible study term or whatever um, one of the yeah. things that I taught when I started that particular ministry was that. Marking up your Bible. Well, the, the, the Bible is, is a relationship that God wants to have with you. It's God's dialogue with you. And so when you mark up your Bible, you are responding to God. It's you dialoguing. It's, it, it's, it changes from being a monologue to you dialoguing back. That said, the Bible is a little bit different because it just doesn't just stop at the tangible. It's like it should be in our hearts, right? So then the Bible becomes reference material for the library that's being made in our hearts, um, Like a lot of people do with uh, like. That was a real (laughs) soundbite. Like a lot of people do with like Will Ferrell movies, like where it's like the Bible
1: becomes a reference, a reference point for the library that's being made in our (laughs) (laughs) hearts.
0: Whoa. (laughs) Uh, Like a lot of people do, like they can quote off the cuff, like Deadpool or like Will Ferrell movies or whatever. Step Brothers, Star Trek. Yes, Star Trek, Batman, Star Trek fan
1: in the house. <clears throat> so yeah, like I, So you think there's a dif- you would say that there's a difference and you should
0: Yeah, and I mean let's like the Bible is is a particular beast if I if I may just because it it the Bible was a lot of it was passed down before it was written down and then it was written down in a lot of different ways before it eventually became a um what is it called bound by a spine you know, it was like on scrolls and papyrus and things like that before it was then transferred to Together something that had boring. a spine. Yeah. So it's, we have been consistently throughout the years altering the technology that we use to interact with it. Mm. The most important technology that we have to interact with it is our hearts. So it's different. But I'm a big fan of collections. You can see behind Pastor Monty, you can see. I will zoom in on it right there You can see the uh, toy collection that I have behind Pastor Monty It's you know like i I love collections I have a vinyl collection I have books I have toys I have pops I have like all sorts of things which by the way last night I read that they that Funko just got the licensing for the office that's right there's a Michael pop. There's a there's going to be Scott? one of my, yeah, the one of my my spots on my pop my pop shelf that you guys can't see is going to be taken up by Michael Scott. He's going to oust somebody. You don't know who yet? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Poor somebody. Yeah. All right, let's move on. So the Liam Neeson thing. First of all, are you tracking the Liam Neeson thing? <laughs> two d- yeah, 2, two degree. degree. So, the long and short of the Liam Neeson thing for people that haven't been Liam Neeson is promoting a movie right now where the basic premise is his character taking vengeance or vengeance is a theme in the movie. So in promoting the movie, he's asked a question about how he taps into that sort of um, mentality when he's you know, portraying a character. He shares a story, which he will later regret, where he talked about many, many years ago, I don't know what it was exactly, but many, many years ago, he had gone back home And found out that one of his close friends was like brutally raped by a black person, he says. And so for a week, or whatever he said, there was a period of time where he was so angry and filled with rage that he walked the streets looking for any black person to hurt, I believe is is the gist of that. He wanted to hurt the person that hurt uh, his friend. Well, not just the person but any person that's how bad it was for him so he shared this and it was a vulnerable moment for him and he shared it in the context of something that he's ashamed of okay so two things something he never did but wrestled with in his mind and in his heart and two something that he shared in the context of being ashamed of who he was in that period of time you know how he could get so low um, into feeling this way towards a group of people well He's being um Blacklisted or something like he's in the process of being blacklisted There's all this outrage about how Liam Neeson is uh, a racist promoting like, you know um, hate uh, categorical hate on a group of people and all this stuff Um And it's really interesting and really unfortunate um, for him because, again, this is something that never actually happened, but rather just something he shared with, like, wrestling with. Um, And so your guys' thoughts, but the question is, in a world um, with, like, no basis of – or no understanding or lack of acknowledgement of, like, sin and its effect in our lives – um, is it complete? Is it like a complete social danger to even share how you've wrestled with it in in light of in light of what's happening with Liam Neeson, for example? He's being like, there's a thing going around. He's a petition, maybe that he should be like digitally removed from all his scenes, and I think Men in Black or something like that, a movie that's coming out in right. the summer, um, like get the 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 whole promotion of the movie was was. Um, axed like they stopped doing promo um, for the movie because of all the the heat it was bringing on it and and all this stuff all because this guy shared you know was vulnerable in sharing what he shared something that he didn't do um so what are your guys' thoughts on this and just the state and we have a follow-up to this topic too which is also interesting
2: (coughs) wow (coughs) well Liam Neeson is, is um, age-wise, is old school from the standpoint that, you know, he grew up under a different generation. And uh, you would think that he would be more savvy, um, and yet, I mean, you... Uh, you have to you have to live life today in such a way that you are uh, careful, very, very, and set boundaries for what you're going to share and what you're not going to share. Just because there are always going to be people who are going to uh, take what you say out of context and try to manipulate it for whatever their agenda happens to be. So yeah, I mean I would. First of all, do do all people in some form or another share the same type of thoughts that Liam Neeson is vocalizing? Uh, potentially, yeah, yeah, everybody does. That's 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 in part how we wrestle with the circumstances in life that we face, and how we weigh good versus evil, and how do we address a particular situation which we're confronted with, we, we go through this process where we weigh do I, don't I, do or don't I, and, and uh, so he was simply sharing that mental process that he went through, he didn't act on it, he's simply saying that I was so enraged that these thoughts crossed my mind and I had to deal with it and I'm ashamed that they did, nonetheless uh, it was a frustrating moment so then you have these people that you know are now angry with him because he even expressed that that's a possibility these people are hypocritical i mean really they're hypocritical and but today you have to be very careful about what you put out there in public because there are more and more there are people that are pushing their agenda and will manipulate whatever you say. And, and Liam Neeson is not the only one of my generation who's discovering this.
1: Well, I just think it's interesting because
2: I'm sure that he, you know, however quickly
1: or not quickly he processed, okay, I'm going to say this right now, <laughs> but I'm sure that it was with the intention of condemning it. Like, And he did. In the same breath that he's, he's talking about it, he's condemning that attitude he had. So... I just think it's it's interesting that people don't want to take the whole of what he's saying in regards to this issue but like he said it with the intention of saying look this is bad don't be like I was you know like but now he's it's being turned on him like he's this terrible human being
0: well and he expressed guilt yeah. on top of it like he said that he like still feels guilty about having those thoughts
1: yeah so it's it's really scary and this is again this is another one of those things this is how many years ago like yeah, a, a lifetime ago. So follow up to this is um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan Experience, a very popular podcast for people that listen to podcasts. Um, and Sam, this was last week. Sam Harris was on. So for those of you who don't know, Sam Harris is what Josh one of the
0: one of the four horsemen <laughs> of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah,
1: Sam Harris is and he's a-, a, a leading atheistic. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. What would you yeah, call it? proponent preacher. <laughs> Yes. Right.
0: Well, yeah, he's he's an advocate for atheism. Yeah. It's, it's a term that's used within both the atheist community and the Christian community to denote four different gentlemen. One of them who's dead now, I think it's Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Uh, But it's like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, and... I don't know. Yeah. It's the one that would represent famine. Yeah. Yeah. Which Everybody? one
2: of the worst men is he?
0: He's just one of them. Um, but... Uh, yeah, because they they're like whenever they come together, they like really bring it against like Christianity. Yeah, they're really which really uh, for outspoken. the record they don't. But
1: yeah, they're really outspoken against. Well, it, they but, so anyways they, they think they do. Yeah, the yeah. interesting thing about Sam Harris on Joe Rogan was this this topic this Liam Neeson thing got brought up, and he is basically is basically saying like really begging for. Um, People to reevaluate their, their idea of forgiveness and grace and stuff. He says things like, we need to think through the whole process of redemption. We need to rethink the whole process of redemption. Right. It's already... Borrowing yes. from
0: religious terms yeah. in order to justify
1: it. Yeah. yeah, and then what he says, what is the criteria for successful apologies and forgiveness? People want to see Liam Neeson burned alive, but the same people on the left have, as the norm, the general rehab of murderers. So how are they distinguishing you know, what's okay and what's not okay, when we should do this to these people versus not these people? We need to figure out how to talk about how people can redeem themselves when unsavory things like this are revealed. Um, he says... The left seems to want to hold both ideologies, but they are contradictory. I think Joe Rogan said that part. But So the question is, and, and, and this is going to be obvious to you guys, obviously, but in this guy's worldview, this Sam Harris, whose whole worldview operates on time plus chance and random nothingness, why does someone like Sam Harris want to insist on the practice of redemption and forgiveness? Is Sam Harris... Being consistent in his worldview.
0: Uh, no, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. But 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 why he wants to insist on it is because you know we as human beings um, are made in the image of God, and there are certain things we resonate with, and I think. Sam Harris is an advocate for a worldview that's not sustainable. It's not consistent, but he hasn't really had to live with the implications of his worldview. Mm -hmm. But now he's beginning to see those implications. I mean, he's a smart guy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, he's beginning to see those implications and realizing that, that having, that having a world without those religious, um, themes in it is more detrimental um, I, you know, he's not. I doubt. I, I mean, I pray for him and hope that he does turn to God. But um, I doubt that he will reach out. To, you know, I, I doubt that he will. That he will um, go back to the teachings that you know first talk about those things. Um, but one of like when we talk about Sam Harris, like he's not like Richard Dawkins. Like Richard Dawkins is definitely the death. Of the four the four, the four horsemen he's just i mean he's a really belligerent argumentative um, panel member, and like fairly irrational by my opinion um, and you know like he's he'll advocate, for instance that um, that Hitler was a was a a reo- right. was a reasonable choice, and who are we to question what Hitler's morality was in regard to the Jews? Because, you know, he's just a bag of protoplasm. Um, and what does that matter? There's no morality in that. So there's that. Um, but Sam Harris isn't that way. Like, Sam Harris is very much like we should all love each other and do what's right for each other. Um, he just doesn't want to recognize what right is. That He he doesn't want to recognize that he doesn't have the right to say what right is if he doesn't have a personal God. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But he generally, like, when he when he argues, like, you can tell that he... Um, like, for lack of a better way of putting it, like loves people. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: it's interesting, and in is I th- I thought it was interesting that he <clears throat> was on that podcast because I am reading a book that is a commentary on his book, Letter to a Christian Nation. I think it's called. Yeah, something like where that. It's like a pretty, pretty um direct and um unapologetic attack on all things like Christian worldview. Um, so for him, so for him to be on the podcast, just was like, Oh, this is really interesting and relevant for me right now. Cause I'm reading this. And, um, and then to hear him, like, like Josh is saying, like express a, a genuine care for people and how we should treat each other. But given his worldview, it was just, it's sort it's sad, <laughs> you know, like Josh is saying, and I as well, like, you know, you pray for that this person you know comes to know God and accepts God in his life, but to see how their worldview just so easily like falls apart in on itself
2: well I you know I think that that you know there's an attempt by Sam Harris to to move the discussion from uh, an emotionally based discussion to to a more intellectual discussion and he's uh, within his worldview he's attempting to at least show some intellectual honesty that as i stated in my open that that all people wrestle with these types of decisions and how it is that they approach the circumstances of life now because of his worldview he's limited in his ability to be pure and to be intellectually honest because uh, he's not, but at least he's making that attempt. The attempt by the where where our society is at today is that everything's based upon emotion so these so these people that are you know angry with liam Neeson you know they're they're operating on an emotional level and they're being dishonest and that they're not they're not uh, taking all the facts into consideration, even what he said in the whole. They're yeah. just pulling out what they want to. Well, it's a category issue. Yeah, yeah. There's,
0: I was reading commentary, or not commentary. Yeah, yeah. In the comment section, I was reading in the comment section about like people saying things like um, they should in the digital removal that they're kind of treating it like um, is it all the money in the world with Christopher Plummer? Yeah, that he should be removed digitally, and then Christopher Plummer be um, put in place uh, with with Kevin Spacey. With what happened with Kevin Spacey. Mm -hmm. But that's a category error. Like, there's a huge difference between the two. Like, Kevin Spacey was removed because of allegations that were made against him. Like, allegations that were credible that were made against him. And the studio wanted to remove themselves from that. He was accused of doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. That is not the same thing as. Uh, Liam Neeson saying that he thought about doing something wrong.
2: Well, and these people, that, and that
0: he recognizes, was yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah,
2: and then, yeah, didn't yeah. actually <laughs> do it. And these people that operate on this emotional level, where they get all tied up in you know all this type of stuff, now should be done, he should be removed, all that stuff—they're really uh, belying their ignorance. See, my. I'm gonna go back your yeah, I'm gonna go back to saying that that these people suffer from from a uh, a difficult case of AI. I mean they're both arrogant and ignorant. And the reality of it is This is a
0: new truth time with Pastor Monty phrase that he's trying to make popular. AI. I, I have a clip for that somewhere, you keep
2: going. Oh here it is. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well I i yes it will Am The reality of it is, is <laughs> I don't make it these, happen. These these people are simply arrogant and ignorant and and, and uh you know the Liam Neeson's under contract. Well they can they
0: could they could break contract.
2: And 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 pay a penalty for that. And that's what so, they did with Kevin Spacey. Well and that's fine. And so then they know.
0: hired Christopher Plummer on top of you know, a lot of, the, of money that yeah. Kevin and, Spacey and, and
2: so, you know if I if I was Liam Neeson and they violated my contract in that way and I walked away with a couple million dollars I'd go cool so the other side I would say to this is <laughs> I think Liam Neeson is fairly on the
0: same side as um, it doesn't really address the moral issue like the moral issue is scary but I think Kevin Spa or Liam Neeson is somewhat on the same side as um, William Shatner. Mm.
2: Like I feel like not politically or anything. Yeah, but it was, Shatner has a no Shatner has that attitude where I don't care.
0: That's my point. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> that I think that Liam Neeson, he's had multiple stages of a career. Yeah. And true. you know, he's tapered off and come back and tapered off and come back and he's like what in his fifth movie career or something and i feel right and i feel (laughs) like he will i feel like he will ride this out and people will forget about it um but they'll brown they'll they'll try to brand him as we see as being mentally unstable as opposed to Mm. being you know an actor yeah
1: colin was asking me this last night aren't all
2: actors kind of mentally unstable maybe (laughs) colin was asking me this
1: last night our friend colin (laughs) um he was asking me like he has a he was just expressing difficulty in taking in the news and you know giving it credence because how long are things even going to last and he's looking at this thing on the board here like how long is this Liam Neeson thing even going to be in the forefront of our minds like is this something that in a week is not going to matter and maybe but also maybe 20 years removed michael jackson's name is being you know re through the mud so right maybe not and it's just interesting that you or
2: know, kevin
0: hart like 10 years after comments were made. oh yeah
2: yeah 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 and see and see that's the thing right now is these the these people that have their own agenda or james gunn they're willing to go back 20 and 30 years you wrote a phrase in your yearbook <laughs> when, you were, when you were 18 years old. When you were a child mentally. Yeah. Really?
1: That's a really? Yeah. Well, no, duh, I was immature and <laughs> inappropriate and acted <laughs> like in all these ways because I was 18 years old or, or like, man, this, this, this culture that just wants to destroy you at the drop of a hat. And it's, it's so scary.
0: But to address the initial question, I know we need to move on, but to address the initial question, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that Liam Neeson shouldn't have said what he said and I think people need to be bold in that way. I think they need to say what you know where they're coming from. Otherwise, yeah, people aren't going to people aren't going to normalize the it's not going to normalize the idea that everybody struggles with those sorts of thoughts. And that's that's why it's so dangerous I think to to the cultural leftist mm-hmm. is because it it sort of throws out the concept of intersectionality. And, it, and it, it, it basically says that a person who is not these things um, is also capable of being racist inside their head and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And it's like, if that can be true, if Liam Neeson can be a racist without being a racist, then maybe I'm a racist too without being a racist and vice versa. Maybe He's it, certainly capable of it. Maybe yeah. I'm not a racist... You know, even though I, even though I claim to be a ra- like, it basically like muddies the water of who is what they are, and in terms of in terms. Well, it muddies
2: of, the water because it also muddies the definition of what is what. Right. Just it, because you want to go out and beat somebody up that happens to be of a different ethnicity doesn't mean that you're a racist. Right racism is and we're going to have to deal with this later in one of our podcasts but but racism has to do with the issue that you feel that your particular race is superior over somebody else. Sure. His that's not the issue here.
0: No, I mean it could be as simple as like it could be as simple as a person with a red baseball cap beat up my So now I'm going to
2: look for So now I'm going to
0: look for anybody who has a red baseball cap.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and and but but you're exactly correct. This is one of the cards that get that gets thrown out there when people want to justify her, they don't know how to deal with a particular thing i love that uh, remember we were they talking just about you it in. remember i talked about on my podcast that uh, that that interview that took place where the the gal couldn't justify where she was coming from so she told the the talk show host that you know that uh, he had white privilege all oh, right and he had to remind her he had to tell her she didn't do her research very well because she was talking to somebody who is Black,
0: <laughs> but yeah.
2: that but that's what they do they fall back on stuff and and then try to project that and it's 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 dangerous from the standpoint that then it muddies the water of what we're actually talking about so just because you throw the racist card out there um and you're being intellectually dishonest when it's not really it
1: swinging the racist bat It reminds me to your point, Josh, you know, talking about Liam Neeson as, you know, a dynamic person rather than just this object. Like, I mean, we talk about it with our kids, too, like the importance of needing to share in what ways you struggled growing up so that Mm -hmm. your kids can learn from you and know that, like, you went through these same things. And so this is why, like, they can respect and appreciate you because you've grown past these things and you've grown and all these different things um, same thing with Liam Mason
0: well and I think there's another factor to it which is our our culture it has been inundated with a with a process called virtue signaling mm-hmm. virtue signaling right um, that just basically is a it's a it, it's a way of talking about your affiliation with a particular position even though you may not actually be affiliated with it hmm. and so i think you know we don't understand anymore because everything's political, everything's done for a camera, whether it's for Instagram or for Facebook or for the press, um, and especially those people whose job is to stand in front of a camera. We don't really understand anymore when somebody is virtue signaling or they're really just being honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a problem too. And so if anything, that is what might be might be a difficult thing for Liam Neeson in that it's not in in that I do think it's important that he be vulnerable but somehow it got turned into virtue signaling and then people are like wait a second.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to our trivia cuz our competitors our contestants are waiting in the wind here. Okay. So, I'm going to call them.
0: All right. Let's get that call going. The um Yeah, our feed our feed's been terrible. Uh our internet feed's been terrible for some reason. But the non-broken up feed will be available later.
1: Hello? Hello. I got one waiting for the other.
0: Let's put some music on in the back. I got the other. Oh, you got it. Okay. Are you both there? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I actually
1: forgot. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> we have a Greg of Southern California. Welcome to the show, Greg. Well, thank you. <laughs> and we have a John defending champion of a Milwaukee Oregon. So, Josh is going to do us the honors of hitting the, the game music, and we're about to start Time our to trivia, you. which... <laughs> hold on. Megadeth has to play because I can't hear myself talk.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, so Oscars are in between shows for us. Next Sunday, I think they are. So this trivia is Oscar edition trivia. So we have John attempting to defend his title. So there's eight questions. Okay, guys? Okay. First to answer wins. Here we go. Who holds the most... Best actor nominations of all time.
2: Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: Wrong. De Niro. Wrong. Five seconds. Well, I do. Time's up. Jack Nicholson. Ah. <laughs> Score is zero zero. Uh, next question. These two films are the only sequels to ever win a Best Picture Oscar. Two films. Aliens. Best <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Godfather 2? Godfather 2 is one of them. The other is... <laughs> best what? picture <laughs> what i think someone's star wars bias wow. is shining too wow. <laughs> the other film we'll give you a point you had one of them the other film was lord of the rings return of the king yeah well don't don't hit the don't hit the modern here third question so one point to greg Third question. This film was the first ever Best Picture winner, a silent film about fighter pilots during World War oh, One. Uh, if you're watching the show, I'll give you a hint. That
2: count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Five seconds. Wings. The film is Wings. Fourth question, one nil. John is on the on the track here to lose his title. Fourth question. This recent musical tied the record, twelve for most nominations for a single film.
0: Greatest Showman.
1: Wrong. That's not a recent (laughs) musical. You're not listening to the question, John. Uh, Didn't they redo hair? Hair, hair (laughs) Hairspray? Okay. Um, Three, two, one. Time's up. La La Land.
0: (laughs) That one's pretty obvious.
1: The score is still 1 0. Fifth question, halfway through. The Hurt Locker won this woman, and the first woman to ever win it, Best Director. Oh, I don't know that one. I want to guess. Sofia Coppola? Sofia Coppola. No. That's a good guess. Since you both don't know it, Catherine Bigelow is her name. She directed The Hurt okay. Locker. I think she also nope. did Zero Dark Thirty, yep, Catherine. I think. Have you presented <laughs> in this <book? laughs> Oh, my bad. Josh is getting crazy. <laughs> Sixth question, the score is still 1-0. This Best Supporting Actor winner was unfortunately never able to receive his award when he was posthumously recognized. Oh my the gosh! And most recent artist to be recognized in this way.
2: Is it, Heath Ledger?
1: it is Heath yes, Ledger for yes. the Joker. Jump, jump one to one with two questions left. This is getting All intense. Right. Right. It's gonna come down to these last two. Please wait for me to finish the question before you answer. <laughs> Christoph Waltz became a Tarantino favorite and a household name when he won an Oscar for his efficiency at snuffing out Jews in this retconned World War II film. Inglorious Glorious Bastards. Yes, Greg. Inglorious Bastards.
2: <laughs> <laughs> whoa! Whoa! whoa. This is a family-friendly show. Let's keep the bo- bovine excrement. Bovine excrement was
1: acceptable. <laughs> the score is 2 to 1. Uh, here we go. Eighth question. Which of these animated title movies Oh wait, sorry. Let me restart. Which of these animal-titled movies did not win the Oscar for Best Picture? A, Dances with Wolves. B, The Deer Hunter. C, The Lion in Winter, or D, Silence of the Lambs? The Lion in Winter. The Lion yep. in Winter is correct. Nice what that means...
0: That is an upset.
1: ...is an upset, and we have a new winner of the Culture Insanity Podcast Trivia Game. <laughs> what that means is I got more Red Bull. In The <laughs> man wants Red Bull. Yep. <laughs> so congratulations to Greg of Southern California. Because Californians are just smarter, I guess. John? Oh, there you go. The plot thickens. And you escaped, so i didn't give it all to you. Alright. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Bye. The upset of season two. That was an upset. Alright, so last topic of the show. Man, an hour starts to really get away from you quick, we're noticing. Last topic. (laughs) An hour really gets away from you. Okay. So this is going to be a two-parter, and so I get some context involved. So there's a whole feud, I guess, if you can even call it that. There's a whole thing between Ellen Page, who's an actress, and Chris Pratt, or Star-Lord, or what's his name? in Andy. Andy. (laughs) Andy. Or whichever character you prefer of his. Uh... Right now that's going on. Um, He was recently on some talk show. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, And he was talking about just being done with a 21-day fast or something like that modeled after Daniel in the Bible doing a fast, which I don't even think was a true fast. I don't know.
0: well, it was just like he didn't. He didn't eat he the vegetables. meat. Yeah, like, vegetables like, and water. That's it. So it wasn't it. A true fashion.
1: Anyways, so he did a fast, and he was talking about it. Whatever. Um, Ellen Page, again, an actress, um, like retweets or reblogs his interview, um, basically just slamming Chris Pratt or Chris Pratt's church, um, basically calling out. Well, instead of talking about this, why don't you talk about the fact that your church? Um, so Chris, whatever, Chris Pratt is an outspoken Christian in that industry, um, more and more. So it seems like, um, he's pretty, um, you know, unapologetic. I think at one award show, he like essentially preached the gospel (laughs) without saying Jesus name a few years ago, um, in like 60 seconds. But anyway, so she called him out and was like, instead of, you know, talking about this, why don't you talk about the fact that your church is hateful or bigoted toward the LGBTQ community, herself being someone from that community, identifying with that community. Um, So a two-part question. Um, The first is, should a person become the voice for an entire group? So he's being slammed or his church is being slammed. Christianity is being slammed by this person um, because of what it is that they hold um, true or something so the question is should a person should christians become spokespeople for their churches how about that should chris pratt become a spokesperson for his church should that be held against him
0: you got thoughts tonight you're shaking your head over there
2: well it I, i i don't know it's a complex question it's it's uh I don't know if it's worded exactly. Feel f- well. feel free to yeah. reword,
1: readjust yeah. our
0: question.
2: The re- <coughs> well the the real issue is should 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 Chris Pratt be allowed to to express his own understanding and to share something personal in that way, uh, and not have it take be taken out of context. That's that. That's an appropriate question. The, the, uh, Chris Pratt does not represent me, for example, as a disciple of Christ. So, you know, and this this woman's issue with picking on him because the church holds views, she, his church holds views that she doesn't like in regard to LGBT, uh, that's, that's a much more complex issue. Uh, my initial response i guess would be that that kudos to him for being willing to take a stand for where he's at but that doesn't make him the representative of christianity
1: i think in her defense <laughs> if i will say that she was specifically calling out a, his particular church.
0: It's called Zoe Church.
1: It's Zoe Church. And they're like affiliated with Hillsong or something. Yeah, I think so, they have one
0: of the former pastors. I think, it, there. I
1: think it says in the article that Zoe Church is like, uh, it doesn't take a hard stance on certain things. It alludes to, you know, maybe not being accepting of those things. But they're affiliated with Hillsong and Hillsong is unapologetic about, you know, saying no to this, taking a hard stance on certain things.
2: Well, and they should be. I mean, any any church that is where now we're getting to a, in I mean, like I said, it's a complex issue. Any church that is worth its salt and claims that they are disciples of Christ are, are are going to be against uh, LGBT and and uh, but I would also uh, the lifestyle and, and condoning those actions which are outside of what is representative righteousness. But the the reality of it is is that that church is also going to be against uh, thievery and adultery and covetousness and and uh, you know the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. If you represent Christ, then you take the whole of what Christ represents. And you're going to take that position unashamedly, such as we do here at Aletheia. I don't pick on people that are LGBT. That's their issue. But does Scripture condone it? No. And as a representative of Christ, am I going to condone it? No.
1: <coughs> yeah. Um, so I guess a good a good segue to the next part of the question is, you know, it, you're saying any church worth its salt will take a hard stance on these certain yes topics and certain yes issues. agreed. Um, so he responded um, to her, and he said, and he was pretty, I I I would call it safe in his response. Didn't necessarily take a hard stance on on particular issues, um, and he had like shared, you know, his church. <laughs> for example, the church the bible doesn't condone uh divorce either right he's a product or not a product he is a he went through divorce i don't know how to say that uh yeah but and he had shared that even though that happened like his church (laughs) it's not like his church sent him away like outcast him or something exiled him but instead they like they tried their best to help him through a situation even though they didn't agree with it so he's sharing that but in his response to her i think there's some red flag stuff and you're saying, and I agree that any church worth its salt will take a hard stance and he's taking a safe response. He said, "Uh, my faith is important to me, but no church defines me or my life. Uh, And I am not a spokesman for any church or any group of people. So pin that my values define who I am. We need less hate in this world. Not more. I'm a man who believes that everyone is entitled to love when they want, when they want freedom from the judgment of their fellow man. So to me, there's some red flags in there about things. And maybe this was a segue into our podcast on Sunday about church identity. I yeah. don't know. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts? He says, no church defines me or my life. There's one. I'm not a spokesperson for my church or any group of people. There's two. And my values define who I am. There's three. You want to break
0: that down? Well, I think he's I think he's on track on the second point the i am not a spokesman but it is a lot more it is a lot more dynamic than that what you got to understand about christians is that though they are not a spokesman they are a integral part of an organism Mm -hmm. so the finger does not speak for the body but the finger is a part of the body which speaks to the body So when you look at what the finger does, you can get... Like if the finger is falling off of the body... You can get an idea of what the body is like. That's right. If the finger is falling off the body, you know something's wrong with the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the finger is healthy, then you know that's... you know, And and you can tell what the brain is thinking based upon what the finger does. Mm -hmm. So it isn't as mechanistic as he is making it out to be. I don't believe that he thinks it is. Um, I would hope that he doesn't. It's, I guess it's possible a lot of Christians see themselves that way. Um, but, um, yeah, but but it is, it, we we are part of a larger organism as Christians. So there's that. So you're not a representative in the sense that you are not the head yeah. of the body. Christ is the head. But you are you you do speak to the body. There are things that you can tell about the body based upon looking at you, an individual. Yeah. and I think that that's what he's trying to say when he says that my values define it. um and the thing is he's not being descriptive of what his values are. and that's where it comes down to it. So I think the more accurate description to be made would be or maybe the maybe a better thing to to add to it would be, that his values are defined by scripture. That's, that's what's missing Instead from it.
1: Just, they're just, they're just floating.
0: <laughs> right. And, 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 they're not and, tethered. And then you can, and then you can <laughs> say on top of that, that the church is the mechanism. Um, we're, he's not giving a theological class here. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, he's going to work his way through it the best that he can. Yeah. But, you can say that the church is the church is the mechanism by which that value system is um, managed. Essentially, it's it's you know. So whereas the church should not define, so whereas the church in and of itself does not define uh, how we're supposed to be and what values we're supposed to have and so on and so forth, it does manage it it mm-hmm. does it mm-hmm. it's it, 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 the it, vehicle for how we get there yeah it pushes yeah. you to it pushes you to be more like the things that you have affirmed believing mm-hmm. and without and that is god's way of dealing with that you're supposed to sharpen each other you're, there is a standard that you all agree upon so the church isn't supposed to make up rules um and, and therefore it is not the definer of your values um, but the church is supposed to protect those values. It is supposed to give you opportunity to follow through with those values. It is supposed to um, correct you when you are not following through with those values. But no, it doesn't define them. It's not supposed to make up you know, the laws uh, or anything like that. So it's a really fine line. And I, I do think that the way that he answered gives an inappropriate yeah. Um interpretation. Yeah, it, it it definitely makes it so that the interpretation can be open to something that's that's not true. Yeah. Yeah,
2: he it, 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 my observation of it is that he's um he's now trying his response is trying to be more PC. And to and you know to walk this uh, on ice or eggshells and be careful about what he says and, and uh, you know it's it's wimpy. I mean the reality it's it, it's uh, it's intellectually dishonest. It's theologically dishonest, and he doesn't come out looking good either way.
0: Well, it's intellectually
2: lazy. Yeah. I don't I, I don't yeah. know if
0: he's I don't know if he's like based upon him as as a
2: person like when you look at him Well okay, he may not be trying to be dishonest but yes, he's certainly lazy.
0: Yeah. when you look at him as a person and you um, look at his background and even like how he came to Christ if you look at like his testimony and stuff I mean he he was essentially just kind of a stoner. Really? <laughs> like I know that. that's yeah that's his thing like Well, that could explain part of it he was just he was he was he was the cliche of like you know just the dude going through life whatever mm. you know and 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 then he was approached by a street preacher i think or something like mm. that mm. and and was challenged and you know and he accepted that challenge but that was his life was you know music and parties and so on and so forth i i I don't get the impression that he has ever thought of himself in any way as an advocate for Christianity. Right. He very much falls into the the line of somebody who wants to be a sincere believer in Christianity. And so... You know but but that to him is a is a merely personal experience.
2: And I think that, that there are lots of people who could relate to where he's coming from right that they um, when confronted with individuals that are aggressive right and hold their own agenda and are are uh, aggressive in uh, I will go so far as to say attacking. Where you are in regard to their agenda, um, a lot of people uh, are frightened by that, and try to backpedal and back off, mm. and and try to walk this very fine line. And um, yeah, no, I can I can understand where he's coming from. I'm just saying that it's intellectually lazy and theologically dishonest. I think he's, you know, it's not it's not our decision
0: where God places us, you no. know. No. And I think that he's going to have to come to a point where he chooses what he wants to do with what he's been given. Mm-hmm. I think that he's done a good job in the sense of um being humble mm-hmm. um with what's happened and I think he's having the right of his life. <laughs> but he is quickly becoming the voice there's a few christians out there just a few who are sort of becoming the voice of christianity in the current age of modern stardom and he's one yeah, of them and sure. so i think that he is going to have to choose really quickly like what that means because it's a dangerous thing to be a Christian in, in that particular in that climate. Spotlight. Well,
2: what it, what it really means is that, you know, he needs to take seriously Paul's yeah. admonition to Timothy. You know, to be prepared to yep. give answers. He needs to bone up he, on this. Yeah, he needs to study. He needs yeah. to study and he needs to understand communication dynamics. And he needs to put some effort in doing that so that when the opportunities are put before him, he can represent... Christianity, or more importantly, from my standpoint, he can rec- uh, represent Scripture accurately yeah. in regard to the issues that he's confronted Well, and if he doesn't want to
0: be a representative of, of the faith, and I understand his, um, you know, he doesn't add a, averseness to that. Um, if he doesn't want to be a representative to the faith, then he needs to be a good representative of his own faith. So sure. it, it, it doesn't really matter you know so there are things yeah he that's what it comes down to is he clearly has the christian education of um somebody who is more along the sides of benefiting from it but not along the sides of teaching it yeah. right and if he's going to be constantly put in a position where he has to defend it then he should then he should study how to teach it yeah
2: yeah, yeah. I, agree.
1: I agree. Well, if he and if he constantly insists on bringing it up, like he's bringing it up when he's bringing it up, it's not like he's it's being extracted out of him or something. Like he's volunteering it. So be ready for for all that comes with that. I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think that just comes from him being the person he is. Yeah, he's just a, yeah. A, a, he's an a easygoing guy, guy yeah, and just wants
1: to share how it's been good for him, and
0: right, and he's not thinking through the consequences of it, and you know. So that's a difficult situation to be in, and mm-hmm. you know we need to pray for him, because I think statistically, he would leave the faith mm. before he would, um, you know, become a strong advocate for it. But I hope that that fun-loving nature of him would keep him in his faith, um, even if it takes him out of his stardom. Mm. So, yeah
1: Cool. I think that's gonna wrap us up for for season two, episode two here.
0: Yeah. All right. So
1: thanks to Pastor Monty for being here. Are you gonna be here next week again? Or no? In two we, weeks. No, no, no. You won't. Oh, you would weeks. be right. You're gonna be gone. So. So. Episode wow. three. Am I mixing? gonna be
2: here for episode three? Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. So Pastor Monty will be here for episode three. If you're interested in what we're talking about, check out the Facebook video. Certain links are posted.
0: And um, we're gonna we're gonna have a. a uh, we'll repost this video so it doesn't have the um, the Breaks. internet breaking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, totally,
1: totally. The technical difficulties. Um,
0: we'll get our station manager on that right after this.
1: Yeah, there's lots of things to, to look forward to. Um, our Abandoned Initiative Ministry, which, again, is a local resource for young Christians to discuss their faith through relevant um, topics and discussions. They are doing a podcast tomorrow night at... Seven. Seven seven uh, and the topic is church identity so relevant for given what we're talking about um, you can check that out on um, the abandoned initiative facebook page it will be i'm sure reposted via the aletheo i fellowship facebook page maybe through the culture Insanity sanity facebook page any of our sister networks so you there's plenty of ways to find it on facebook that will be streamed live at seven again the topic is church identity um, you can check out pastor monty's podcast truth time on wednesdays at 11 yeah
2: Tuesday at 11.
1: Tuesdays at 11. It's switched. Tuesdays at 11. Um, check out our burst casts every morning, Monday through Friday, posted through the Avan- Abandoned Initiative Facebook. Um, and then this month's Cross X, or next month's Cross X, March 31st. Um, that will be here, as I understand. And that's it, what I hear. Uh, at 7 p.m., a Lathe Bible Fellowship in Portland, Oregon. And the topic is church racism. So, racism, church identity, yeah, all these things that are being talked about in the news right now. Yeah. So, that'll be fun. So, you can join us um, here at the church or tune in on Facebook uh, live. You can submit your questions with the hashtag CrossX, and those will find their way to us so they can be discussed um, by the local pastors. So, with that said, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for our trivia contestants and our new winner. Congratulations, and we'll see you next time.
0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Leithea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.